Good morning, everybody. Man, thank y'all so much for the testimony this morning. That was, it, I always get really excited when y'all preach my sermon before me, um, and you have absolutely done that. Today we're going to talk about um, releasing the old to embrace the new, and I'm excited about this message. Uh, God's just had me in this passage all week, and, and uh, kiddos that just got new Bibles, if your parents want to help you, we're going to be, or everybody actually, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 today, um, and we're going to look at verses 33 through 39. This is, uh, it's called a question about fasting. And we're going to talk about fasting just a little bit this morning, but God's got some good stuff for us. Last week, we covered Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. Um, we, we learned about the, the call of this man, Levi, which in other gospels, uh, he's called Matthew. He has two names. So the, the gospel of Matthew is this guy, Levi. He's the one that wrote uh, that, that particular gospel. Um, but we talked about how Jesus, as he's, he's walking along the road, he sees Levi, who was a tax collector. And, and he, Scripture says that he sees him. And when it says that he sees him, it means that in that moment, Jesus knew everything about Levi. And more importantly, Levi understood that Jesus knew everything about him. And in being seen and being interacted with, Levi experienced the love and the forgiveness of Jesus for himself. That love drew Levi to Jesus. It led him to repentance. And we learn that repentance is, is turning from our sin. It's a decision that we make to engage the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us defeat and conquer sin that we experience. And finally, through our faith and repentance, we experience forgiveness. And that's what process Levi went through. And the fact that Jesus loves us enough to forgive us and to take the punishment for our sins is what we call grace. It's getting what we don't reserve, deserve. And as Luke is recording these events, he's showing this undercurrent of anger that we see from the religious leaders. Right, and Because they don't like that Jesus is taking their control and their power. And as we dig in our passage today, we're going to see and we're going to get another example of how Jesus responds to this, this undercurrent of, of anger from the religious leaders. So look with me today. We're going to read Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39, and we're going to break it out for our application today. It says, Then they said to him, John's disciples fast often and say prayers, and those Pharisees of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, you can't make the wedding guest fast while the groom is with them, can you? But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will spill and the skins will be ruined. No new wine is put into fresh wine skins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants new because he says the old is better. We're going to talk about that last scripture in a minute because it seems a little bit odd. But we're going to break that down. It's pretty interesting. In these seven verses, Jesus shares really three parables. And parables are morals or short stories that use imagery or metaphor to help us understand the meaning or what Jesus is trying to say. If you're familiar with uh, like 80s or 90s sitcoms, 
the, the parable is like the teaching moment, you know, where the canned laughter stops and they start playing like the soft, warm saxophone type music, you know, like I'm thinking like full house kind of thing. And there's this moral lesson that happens at the end of the episode that had to do with all the goofiness that happened in the beginning. Y'all follow me? Everybody awake? Yeah. Okay. This is that moment. All right. All of these parables are kind of making the same point. We're going to learn that all three of these mean today, but we're going to discuss and we're going to see that Jesus is trying to communicate through these parables um, that, that there is something that is old and there's something that is new and we need to let go of the old and move towards the new. These are comparisons between the two. Specifically, Jesus is saying that the things of old have passed and something new is happening. We're going to play on that a lot this week. You know, last week we talked in life groups a lot about sharing the gospel and I love this morning that through all of the testimonies, Miss Debbie had an experience where God was doing some God-exclusive activity, and the lady that's involved in this process says, I don't, know what, I don't know how this is happening, and Debbie goes, I know it's how it's happening, and she gives credit to God. And Lizzie, having this conversation, going late into the night with a friend who needed to just talk things out, and landed with, you know what, I need to just ask God about this. And then David and, and Julie loving on this family, and I love uh, David talking about being lovingly persistent, or, 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 you know, just pecking away at it, because sometimes we need that. We need those people in our lives that are, are willing to go the extra mile for us, and I really appreciate David's testimony about that today. You know, I've been thinking a lot about our church, and specifically about evangelism, and that's kind of where we're going to go today, and, and don't let that get you all in a knot. We're going to kind of walk this thing out. But I want to I want to I want to remind you I want to or I want to tell you in the last couple of weeks or in the last week actually I've had two different people talk about our church and talk about a pendulum swing that has happened. Many of us, uh, many of you, I grew up in a different denomination and and evangelism wasn't something that was on our radar. It's just not a thing that we did. But a lot of people in our body grew up in in churches that that was what it was all about. And there were some very specific things, door-to-door ministry and handing out tracts. And often when we think about evangelism, that's where our minds go. We're going we're gonna to kind of walk that road out today. But even many of us who were back in the days of Donahue when we were there, that was very much an emphasis. And there was a specific task that we were required to do. And often we weren't doing those things because we wanted to. We were doing it because we were required to, or we were doing it because we felt guilty if we didn't do it. And that's not the goal here. In the last two weeks, we've talked about sharing the gospel. And we're going to talk about that again today. On the heels of the last two passages that we've read, Jesus talks about the difference between the new and the old. So let's talk about the old a minute ago. Let's talk about the things that I just mentioned. A lot of us were on this side. The pendulum had swung way this way. And, and we realized, we saw that for what it was. That it wasn't us following God. It was us following a leader. It was us doing a thing that we were told that we were supposed to do. And so in the start of the gathering place, we swung that pendulum. But, but what I want us to see is that now we're way over here often is that we went from our whole life is, is revolved around these particular activities to try to share the gospel in one way. And, and, and in detoxing from that, which was good, we needed to heal from that. We swung all the way to this side and now we're stuck over here. And often we don't share the gospel at all. Here, here's the thing I want us to start with this, with this morning. 
I want us to understand that my goal in this passage today is not to get us from here to way back over here. There's a happy medium to be found. We have learned this church, this body, in the most miraculous ways that when we are abiding in Christ, that God, this activity that we experience is mind-blowing because it helps us to see how important we are to Him. The little things, the little things that we would think shouldn't matter to God, they do matter to God because He loves us. Yesterday, we, we went to move Sally in and, and we're you know, getting all her stuff moved in the room and getting it all cutified and, you know, all the things that you do. And, and like, we're a couple of hours in, and in my mind, like, we're done. And Bethany's like, no, sharpen these pencils and put these pens right here. And, like, she is like, uber, like, Salia has gone to do activities. She's not even in the room anymore. And I'm frustrated because I'm ready to go and I'm hungry. We didn't have lunch yet. And anyway, Will was being Will and Bethany was being Bethany. And, and, and I was the one in the wrong, just so we're all clear on that. But my point is, is that Bethany loves Saley so much that she is making sure that even all of her pencils are sharp before the first day of class even opens up. And God loves us that much. Is he wants that level of detail. He wants us to understand that that is important to him. When we think about evangelism, what I want us to think about is the stories that we heard today. That at 11 o'clock at night, our friends know that we will take a phone call and talk out things way into the night if that's what's needed, if that's what's necessary. David shared a great example today of a family that's been burned by a church because when they needed the church to be the church, the church quit being the church. And now they're having to, to work and, and be persistent to prove to this guy that God does love him, that the church does love him. What happens is, is when we go on this pendulum swing, we communicate some things about God that are not true. And when we swing all the way this way, we communicate things about God that is not true. When Jesus is, is discussing this, when this, this conversation is happening, it's prompted by the idea of fasting. That's how the conversation starts. The Pharisees say, look, we fast. John's disciples fast. Why are you not fasting? Well, fasting from the Old Testament perspective was a law that was given, <clears throat> but it only had to happen one day out of an entire year. But the Pharisees said, well, this is a good thing, so we're going to do it a whole lot because then it'll make us a whole lot better people, right? They took something that God intended for our good and they, they made it something that it wasn't supposed to be. Look, if you want to fast, that's great, fast. There's nothing biblically wrong with that. It's a good thing to do. It brings us closer to God. But if we're doing fasting for the sake of just doing it because somebody said we're supposed to, we're doing it for the wrong reason. And the same is true of evangelism. Jesus is telling these Pharisees that that old way of doing things is not valid anymore. Jesus describes himself as the bridegroom and says, fasting is for a time of mourning. You don't mourn at a wedding. When you go to a wedding, you're not fasting, right? You're eating the food and you're eating the cake and you're drinking the punch. That's the point. You're celebrating. And Jesus is saying, we are here to celebrate right now. That's why we're not fasting because the, the long-awaited Messiah has arrived. I'm here. We're not mourning anymore. You don't fast when you go to a wedding. You don't take a patch 
from a new set of clothes. You don't cut a square out of it. I know we don't patch things anymore, so that may be a little lost on some of you. But a patch is when you would, you know, have a, a tear in the knee of your jeans. That was back in the days before that was cool, right? And you go get another piece of cloth and you sew it on the inside so you didn't have a hole in there anymore. You're not going to go get a new pair of jeans and cut the knee out of it, fix an old pair of jeans. One, it would be ridiculous, but also that new fabric is going to shrink when you wash it and it's going to make an even bigger hole. It's going to mess the garment up even more. Jesus is saying, we're not going to do these things that don't make sense anymore. And also, we're not going to take wine that hasn't fermented yet and put it in an old dried out wineskin because when it ferments, that's bubbles happen when yeast is doing its thing and sugar is being turned into alcohol and it's going to bust. There are times and there are places for things and this is not it. He's drawing the comparison between the new and the old. When we think about evangelism, I want us to keep this in mind, that our goal with sharing the gospel, because that's what evangelism is, is what it's always been. Our goal is to be right where God wants us to be. And right where God wants us to be is like David was talking about a while ago, around the people that God has put in our face. God has called us to particular places for particular reasons, for particular people. Before we move forward, can we all agree that it's absolutely God's intention for all believers to share the gospel? That was weak. Give me an amen. Can we, can we agree that it's God's intention for the church to share the gospel? Thank you. All right. Look with me at Romans chapter 10. Kiddos, if you've got your new Bibles, it's a good time to use them. Not kiddos, if you got your Bibles, now's a good time to use them. We're going to look at verses 14 through 17. Paul says, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. In this chapter, in chapter 10, Paul is talking about how our salvation comes through faith alone. But if a person never hears the gospel, how can they have faith? How can they believe in a message that they have not heard? And I want to point out, in my translation, it says preacher, but that word, that Greek word is often, or is, is equally translated as proclaimer. This is not a job just for the preacher. Matter of fact, <clears throat> preachers or pastors as we know them today did not exist when Paul wrote this. Call it, Paul is saying that it is our job to proclaim the gospel. Church, we are designed to be gospel proclaimers. Let me say it more specifically. You were created to be a gospel proclaimer. We need to affirm that with one another today. Can you affirm that with me? Say amen. You were created to be a gospel proclaimer. Amen? You were created to be a gospel proclaimer. You and me, but you were created to be a gospel proclaimer. This idea was plainly understood by the New Testament church. There was no confusion for them 
on the fact that they were supposed to tell other people about Jesus. I pointed this out before. The only reason you know about Jesus is because someone else told you, right? And when we come to know Jesus for ourselves by experience, the expectation, the result of knowing Jesus is telling other people about Jesus. Let me give you another example. Flip with me to Acts chapter 8. I'm sorry if I flip too fast a while ago, kiddos. I'm going to take my time this time. We're going to read verses 26 through 38. This is a story that I think many of us are probably familiar with. But it, it really illustrates what God's trying to drive home today. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem. And sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud, the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he, go, he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. So in this story, who is the gospel proclaimer? Philip. Okay, good job. Glad y'all are awake. So how did this go down? What's the process? Here's what I want us to see today. Three points. Is that we listen, we go, and we speak. Okay, I'm going to try to run through these fast because I know we're running short on time. But I want us to see that Philip heard God say go. God used an angel in this particular passage, but he can speak the same way through the Holy Spirit like he does in our lives right now already. God told Philip, I want you to go. And he told him, I want you to go to the desert. Now, when you're thinking about sharing the gospel, a deserted place is not the place you typically think of. And I love that Lizzie in her testimony this morning, I think it was the girl that said, whatever God tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do, even if it sounds crazy. It would be crazy to go to the desert to meet someone. That's not a meeting place typically. But the Spirit spoke through an angel to Philip, and Philip went without knowing who he was going to share the gospel with. Philip listened. And then when he gets to the desert, he sees this chariot on the road. And I want you to notice that the chariot is on the road. Do chariots sit on the road? No. They are traveling, right? Horse drawn. So Philip runs to catch up with the chariot that God points out. He says, go to the, that chariot. Okay, I want you to picture this in your mind. Chariot. Y'all have seen like movies with chariots? Think old western wagon if you want to. That'll get the point across. It's going down the road. And Philip is running, listening, 
He reads the room. He hears the guy reading this prophecy, and he just asks a question. I don't know if you realize this, but all of the years you've spent in life group thinking through questions has been training you to share the gospel. Did you know that? Because Philip sees what's going on in the moment. He reads the room, and he asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, no, how can I unless someone shares it with me? Guess what? The door was just open. Come on in. It's time to explain. So we listen, and then we go where God's telling us to go, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if you say, God, I don't know anybody over there, it doesn't matter. Just go. I was thinking about it this way this week. I've got some friends that are, that are farmers that, that do these massive acres, thousands and thousands of acres, corn, soybeans, cotton, whatever. God makes that stuff grow, right? Like they plant it, but God's the one that makes it grow. God's the one that makes the corn actually turn into corn, seeds that you can plant, all that stuff. God's doing that, right? Okay? So all of that stuff happens, and it's ready. What happens if the farmer just leaves it in the field? It just goes to waste, right? What's required in order to get that grain? You got to harvest it, right? Here's what I want us to see is that the harvest is ready. It's all around us. But if we're not going into the field, we're not getting the harvest. If we're not spending, I want you to hear me on this. If we're not spending a significant amount of time with people who don't know God, we are not following Jesus. I'm going to say that again. If we're not spending a significant amount of time with people who don't know God, We are not following Jesus. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying that you're not following Jesus. When Jesus called Peter and Andrew and John, did he tell them to just go sit at the house? What did he tell them to do? He said, come follow me and I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. Church, we agree that we are the proclaimers, right? That's us, me and you. But if we're not spending time around people who don't know Jesus, we are not following him. Because that's where Jesus is going. Who was, who was getting fussed at last week? Jesus, because he was with who? Tax collectors and sinners, right? If there's not some people in our life who don't know Jesus, that we're not putting significant amount of time into, we're not following Jesus. Jesus said last week, I don't come... The doctor doesn't come for those that are healthy. He comes for those that are sick. If we're going to follow Jesus, it means that we cannot stay in our holy huddles any longer. That we've got to be out in the world, not becoming like the world, but sharing with the world the things that we experience about God as we are walking with Him. Yes, or Friday, I read this Tozer on Leadership. It's, he references Isaiah 6, 5, where Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone, undone, a man of unclean lips, when he's standing before God and he sees the seraphim. Tozer said, Let a flood or a fire hit a populous countryside, and say a hurricane for where we are. But hurricane hits, no able-bodied citizen feels that he has any right to rest till he has done all he can to save as many as he can. While death stalks farmhouse and village, no one dares relax. This is the accepted code by which we live. We know that by experience, right? Because we live in Louisiana. 
The critical emergency for some becomes an emergency for all, from the highest government official to the local Boy Scout troop. As long as the flood rages or the fire roars on, no one talks of normal times. No times are normal while helpless people uh, cower in the path of destruction. In times of extraordinary crisis, ordinary measures will not suffice. The world lives in such a time of of crisis. Christians alone are in possession to rescue the perishing. We dare not settle down to try to live as if things were normal. Nothing is normal while sin and lust and death roam the world, pouncing upon one another until the whole population has been destroyed. I heard, I've been following this guy on TikTok. His name's Willie. He is a, um, used to be a coach. Now he's a public speaker and, and motivator. He's been doing a lot for teachers right now. It's that time of year. I heard him talking the other day. Um, and, and he was referencing, we need to live thinking about our obituary. Because your obituary tells what you were about, right? When you get to the end of your life and people are remembering you, what are they going to remember you for? Are they going to remember that you were a pretty decent person? Are they going to remember that you shared the gospel with people? Your obituary summarizes what your life was about. And what God wants all of us to think about is the fact that we were created to live in relationship with him after the fall, after sin entered the world, after Jesus came. He showed us how to do life. He died for our sins. Our role on this world is to know God and to make him known. Church, we've been real good at the knowing him part. There's no doubt in my mind that people that are members of our church know how to hear God's voice. But how are we at making him known? So Philip, he listens, he goes, and then he speaks. He shares the gospel with the eunuch. And I want to make sure that we understand that Philip is not the one making any of that happen. Philip is walking in obedience to what God called him to do. There's no doubt that the Holy Spirit draws people to himself. But that does not mean that we have no part in that. I was listening to a friend of mine, Reverend Avery Hamilton, preach last Sunday night. And he talked about how our faith is participatory. Right? There is a role for us to play. We're not bumps on a log. God wants to use us. But we got to be willing to get off the sofa and go out into the fields, right? I want to close out with this, with this last verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 39. He says, And no one, after drinking old wine, wants new, because he says the old is better. Now when you, you look at that and you're thinking about it, you're going, well, hold on, that doesn't make sense. In reference to what Jesus was saying about the new and the old wine. In reference to what Jesus is saying in comparison to the old and to the new. And here's what I want us to see is that Jesus is being sarcastic. That's what's happening here. He's saying that these people, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who are so entrapped in their own ways, are looking at this new and saying, the old's better, I'm going to stick with the old because I'm comfortable over here in my old ways. And here's my fear for our church. We talked about these pendulum swings. 
My fear is that we're over here and we're comfortable. And we're not thinking about the people in our lives that desperately need to hear the gospel, that need to understand how much Jesus loves them. I heard a preacher one time talking about uh, preaching to a church that I was a part of at the time who was, with everything they had, they were trying to get back to the way they used to be back in the good old days. And what he told them is that when you grip something that tightly, you actually lose it. It's like, I was thinking about this this morning, any of your kids got slime? I bet they do. If they don't, you're a good parent. (laughs) But I don't know if you've ever held slime, but the harder you grip it, the more you lose it, right? It just squirts out between your fingers. If we're trying to hold on to the past and be something that we used to be, we're going to lose not only the past, but also the future. It's going to slip through our fingers. This is a warning for all of us. We've traded one paradigm that evangelism looked like this for another one where evangelism's not happening. And we've got to find that happy medium. And I know that I'm speaking in some pretty general terms today. This is something that each of us has to look at our own lives and let the Holy Spirit evaluate where we are. The Pharisees were comfortable in their religious activity. We have become comfortable in our religious activity. It was different than the days in the past, but it's not representative of the life of Jesus. Jesus calls his disciples to listen, to go, and to speak the truth. Final thought. I was sharing with a friend the other day who has made his life's work helping other people, but this friend doesn't know Jesus. This is a person that God has called me He's put in my life, he's put in front of my face, as David said, that said, this is one that you're to invest in. And I was talking to this person, and I just very plainly, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. I said, I don't want you to waste your life doing this kind of work and missing the whole point. And he said, what do you mean? I said, right now what you're doing is a great thing, but you're doing it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've had conversations about who Jesus is. And I said, if you spend your life just working, trying to fix the world, but you're doing it without the Holy Spirit, you're missing the beauty of it all. You're missing the point. God put us here to make the world a better place, but he wants us to use the Holy Spirit to make that happen. And church, I don't want us to squander our days toiling away at work because the preacher said to do it and missing the point by not doing it with the Holy Spirit. God worked through Philip because he walked in obedience. And God wants to work through us as we walk into obedience. But I feel like sometimes we've got our blinders on and we're just looking inwardly at ourselves and not at the world around us. That's our challenge for today. It's to let the Holy Spirit speak into your own life. To evaluate your evangelistic output. Are you sharing the gospel with the people that God's put in your life? As we close today in, in, in prayer and worship, take an opportunity to have a conversation with God, to allow him to speak some specific things in your life regarding your call to proclaim the gospel. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning as we worship, I ask that you would um, work in each of our lives. Father, that you would help us to see with clarity where we stand on 
what it means to be a proclaimer of your word. And Father, I ask that as, as, as we're thinking through that this afternoon, Father, that you would speak very specific things into each of our lives. That we wouldn't look at our lives and compare ourselves to the person sitting next to us or the other people in the church. Father, I ask that we would compare ourselves to you. That we would look at our lives and say, am I following Jesus in all the areas of my life that he wants me to follow him? Am I living my life for myself or am I living it as a way, as an expression of who you are? Am I living out of the overflow of love that I've experienced from you? God, you've said that the the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Lord, I know that in all of our hearts, we want to follow you. So Jesus, I ask that you would bring clarity and specifics to each of our lives. God, that you would highlight in our minds the people that you have called us to love on. Jesus, I ask these things in your name.